Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heartwarmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. Now, here's your host, C.J. Hello, everyone. This is CJ Liu, and I'm part of Fire It Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. So I am so thrilled today. I just finished reading um, the newly printed on paperback uh, edition of My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, Daughter, Mother, a Daughter, A Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence, written by Lauren Kessler, who is here with us today. Yay! Yeah. Lauren, I love your book. I love it. Uh, I had several LOL moments, and that means not lots of love, but laugh out loud moments. It was fantastic. I love, love, love your book. So I wanted to talk about, start off talking about your book and what inspired you to uh, follow your daughter around for 18 months. (laughs) Are you mad? What's wrong with you? It was cruel and unusual punishment for her. Um, Okay, so first of all, I just want to say that when when you say it that way, follow your daughter around for 18 months, it really does make me sound a lot more evil than than (laughs) I am in real life. Um, So let's just say that as an immersion reporter, I embedded myself in teen girl culture with my daughter as my guide. That okay, that sounds that sounds a lot better. Okay, but good. really, weren't you, fact, just, weren't you just weren't you just talking your daughter? <laughs> so, I, you know, the, the the fast answer to that question, why did I do this, is I had to. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had to do something to change what was happening in the relationship between my daughter and I. She was twelve at the time, and like probably a lot of mothers and daughters and mothers and sons too um those first you know 10 or 12 years are just glorious and the child looks at you like you are mother teresa and you can solve every problem and she can't get enough of you and you're the smartest thing on two legs and then like a switch happens and it gets flipped and you are all of a sudden the enemy and stupid and um you know and that was what was happening and i knew that that is what had happened in my own life with my own mother and what happens with a lot of us but i also knew that for my mother and me it was kind of the beginning of the rest of a of sort of a an estranged relationship that we had mm-hmm. And I know that's not true with, with many mothers and daughters. They get over it. They are best friends later, et cetera, et cetera. But I couldn't risk that. So I had to do something. And I'm a writer. So what I do is I, 
I write. So that's what I did. Mm. So what, what, when you went through that process, um, in a, in a writer slash, um, anthropologist way, what, what did you see that you weren't able to see as a mother? Oh, gee. I mean, the, the list is huge. Um, so let me think. Um, well, uh, what, you know, what a 12 or a 13 year old will tell a parent about their day as opposed to what their day is really like um, mm. is hugely different. And it's not necessarily that they're lying to you at all. It's that um, various moments um, are fleeting. And something mm. that actually is important that happened at 10 o'clock in the morning, by the time you see the kid at 3.30, so much else has happened that she doesn't even note that, for mm. example. Um, I think that... Um, when you see things as an adult, let's say, um, in school or in the mall or what, at summer camp, other places that I, that I went, you're looking at them with, you know, one would hope the wisdom of an adult and you are seeing the subtext, you're sort of doing a deep reading of reality, which your child is not doing. And so, <laughs> you, you, you know, you're just getting a different sense of, of what life is like. So is that a, a better sense or worse sense? I'm not sure. Sometimes I think it's good to be disillusioned um, <laughs> when you put your anthropologist hat on. Um, I don't exactly know what you mean about better or worse. I think that it's... Um, you know, the, the child's reality, that my daughter's reality is entirely subjective, and so mm-hmm. is mine. And mm-hmm. sometimes those two overlap, and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of good or bad. I mean, I think that if, you, if, if you think ignorance is bliss, for example, mm-hmm. and you'd rather not know what your kids are doing, <laughs> then don't do what I did. Right. Um, so, um, but I, I, I don't think ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Well, no, because don't you think a lot of parents, when I talk to parents, are like, I'd rather not know. They completely kind of shut down. I'm, I'm probably more on the line of, of, I mean, I thought your project was intriguing and was gauging my children's reactions. I'm like, I would love to go and, and see what's happening. Cause I, you know, you can pick up all, you can get a much better background on what's happening and maybe why they're behaving in a certain way. Um, but a lot of parents do kind of go into that denial. Like, I just would rather not know. I, I don't want, really want to know. I think. I don't know. Yeah. No, I have, I absolutely, I have heard that remark and I'm not sure if that's just a flippant remark that, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is, kind of funny, I'd rather not know, or whether they deeply feel that um, they want to protect themselves from knowing what their child is experiencing. That, I think, is weird if you, if you don't. I mean, it's not that you need to know, nor should you know, everything about the inner life of anybody. I mean, there's, there's such a thing as privacy, and there's limits, and um, all that kind of stuff, but uh, I, I think that it is um, a dereliction of parental duty not yeah. to get a, a good sense of what the reality is of the, uh, in your child's life. Yeah, so when you were 
cruising the halls and listening to inside conversations. And you said it's rather mercurial. So what happens during your child's day in the morning, whether they remember in the afternoon or it even registers is another thing. But when you were there, what did you see happening during the lunch and the break times and all those other times when kids are really interacting with each other? Well, uh, so I think it's great that you phrased your question that way because when you think about your kid coming home from school, the questions that you ask the kid, you know, like, so are you doing math today? Do you have any homework? Um, you know, it's kind of like that. Right. But when you're there in school, you realize, which is everything that this is exactly what we knew when we were in school, but we forgot, right. Right. which is that the real important stuff about of school happens in those five minutes between classes. Right. <laughs> and the classes themselves are sort of like this blur. Yeah. <laughs> um, who knows? Yeah, somebody talking at you and giving you work that generally you don't care about. Um, and then in those five minutes or however long it is you have to transition between classes, that's when friendships, you know, bloom and die. It's when you have a crush. It's when somebody says something nasty to you or something wonderful to you. It's when somebody gives you, puts a flower in your locker. I mean, it's no life. That is absolute life. So to see, so thank you for asking it that way. So what I saw basically was um, the the real life that kids live when they're not living in your home. Mm. Um, And we think we drop them off at school and we pick them up, and the real life is we forget because we knew this when we were teenagers that the real life is. taking notes and reading books and having discussions and, of course, eating lunch and going from class to class. And, no, nah, it's really not that at all. Yeah. The real, the real life is the social life. Yes, absolutely. And I remember many times when um, the bathroom was where I got most of my cogent important, <laughs> important information about school and the girls' bathroom. It all happened there. It's scary. Oh, it's, it's where you get most of your important information about sex. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is what we're going to be talking in part two of our three-part series on the secret life of teens, sex, drugs, and drinking, uh, and what that's all about for our teens today. So um, I have Lauren Kessler, uh, author of uh, newly out in paperback, My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, A Daughter, A Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence. Uh, you can hear... Um, you can listen more on the show uh, that plays live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Transformation Talk Radio Network or listen later on iTunes or at www.firedupwithcj.com. We'll be right back. TransformationTalkRadio.com, transforming the world one listener at a time.
Bambusa Bamboo Products saves trees and reduces waste by providing a new material for bathroom tissue and baby wipes. Bambusa Bamboo Products offers the only tree-free 100% bamboo bathroom tissue and award-winning baby wipes made from ultra-soft bamboo-derived fibers. Using material from renewable bamboo is the ideal alternative for toilet paper and wet wipes. Call 866-996-2867 or visit bambusa.com. Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heartwarmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. Lower back pain can be a real pain in the, well, you know. The newly patented VacuPractor relieves that pain simply, inexpensively, and from the privacy of your own home for just $59.95. Listen to what Brad and Dottie have to say about their VacuPractors. The VacuPractor is amazing. I've had back pain for so long, it's taking time to adjust to not having the pain there. Each time I've used my VacuPractor, I've gotten instant relief. I would recommend anyone with stiffness and lower back pain give the VacuPractor a try. VacuPractor is just a one-time cost of $59.95. And you can use it whenever you need in your own home. How does it work? Simple. The VacuPractor uses vacuum pressure. It stretches muscles, restoring proper nerve function, and reducing the possibility of disc failure. Finally, a simple, effective treatment for lower back pain that really works. For more information about the VacuPractor or to order yours, call 800-676-9320 or visit VacuPractor.com. Welcome back. I'm C.J. Liu, and you're listening to Fired Up with C.J. on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. So today I have Lauren Kessler, author of six books, including her um, most recent one out in paperback, My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, A Daughter, A Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence. And we are going to talk about drugs, sex, and possibly rock and roll. Welcome back. (laughs) Welcome back, Lauren. (laughs) So tell us, what did you discover our parent mole slash investigator slash anthropologist slash reporter. <laughs> what did you find about these important topics that we absolutely need to know as parents? Uh, well, let's see. I can start with rock and roll. It it was actually much better when I was a teenager than my <laughs> daughter's rock and roll, so I'll just say that. Um, but seriously. Absolutely. I don't- I'm sorry. I have to listen. We listened to um, the whatever the – Radio stations with the pop and the rap, and it's it's just garbage. Sorry, you know. Yeah, that's, that's what our parents thought too. I know. But um, 
Um, but I, I think that uh, very few parents have had the experience that I had when writing or researching the book, which was I sat in my daughter's, uh, well, I should say my daughter, I sat in a seventh grade sex ed uh, class for a full week. And I uh, sat in the back of the room, didn't try and answer any of the questions, and um, listened and listened to what the um, educator, the it was a Planned Parenthood community educator, had to say, the, the kinds of questions that she asked, and the level of knowledge of the kids. And I was, um, hmm, let's see, what do I want to say? First of all, I would say I was astonished at the level of sophistication. I don't just mean like they all knew what sex was or something like that, because these are seventh graders and we live in the 21st century, so of course they did. But, for example, the sex educator gave a scenario about um, you're in in some sort of a situation and someone um, wants to, is pressing you to have sex with them. Um, what would your how, how would you react to that? Uh-huh. And um, I was just I mean I think any mother who had been sitting where I was sitting would just be filled with joy at the responses from the girls in the class, which were um, uh, you know not just uh, no, which you would expect in a classroom, and some of the people probably would some of the girls probably would have you know, said yes in real life, but the sophistication of the no, you know, mm. the, the reasoning of the no, the um, the self-respect that it showed. And I really don't think that they were putting it on for the classroom. Uh, so, I, so I was really happy to see that maybe girls this in this day and age have a better sense of, um, owning their bodies mm. and, and, um, and just, yeah, owning their bodies than, than maybe, um, I did or past generations did. Yeah. So, well, was, like, can you give me some examples of what the respectful no or sophisticated no would sound like, like the full sentence aside from no? <laughs> what would be some <sighs> phrases? Do you remember? I know it's been such a while, a long time ago. It has been a while and, um, ah. Uh, the I actually wrote a blog about this for, um, so I'm 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 going to try and finesse this because I don't. I, they were so good that if I try and make them up right now off the top of my head, I, I'm not going to be able. Yeah, but to, we can go to your blog at myteenagewolf.com. Is that what it is? My www.myteenagewolf.com. Actually, oh. the, the the post that I wrote was a guest post for um, a much bigger organization called drugfree.org. Okay. Okay, good. I'll take it. We'll put, post that on the website since it's yes. probably, that sounds like the best thing if you want to find out as a parent is to read that blog. That that would be great. And I'm sorry that I can't. Um, oh, no problem. Just so smart. And I'm just not as smart as those those 13-year-old girls were to be able to say it. <laughs> um, so that's, so I also thought it was interesting sitting in the um, sex ed class First of all, how different sex ed is now than it was when I took it, and also how um, how the kids, when you ask kids of whatever age, how many kids your age are having sex, 
mm-hmm. they vastly, vastly overestimate how many are having sex because, um, you know, I, I guess because people say they are when they're not or because I don't know why. But um, the state that I live in, which is Oregon, and I'm sure that there are most states do this, have all kinds of um, pretty sophisticated data that they've gathered across the years that's uh, accessible just through, you know, Googling it. And um, it's, it's just interesting to look at how many seventh graders, eighth graders, twelfth graders, etc., have had intercourse versus how many asked in a sex ed class, um, say, you know, would say. Um, yeah, and I just finished reading that chapter, and it was something like 45 to 55 percent of the people in the class said that they thought that their friends were having sex, but really, in reality, when you took the state information, it was 16 percent. So it was really grossly <laughs> over-exaggerated. I mean, the kids yes. really get a sense. And I think one of the points that you made in the book, which is great, is that hey, maybe it's because the media, like you just assume that everyone's doing it, right? Because the media is out there just portraying that all the teens are doing it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, and, the, and, it's over-sexual, the, the, you know, especially for girls, but for boys too, just this, you know, over-sexualized uh, version of life. And it's pretty easy to imagine that um, you must be the one aberrant kid that is not doing it because everybody else seems to be. Right, <laughs> absolutely. So let me ask another thing about, and in the same vein, um, drugs. And you had said that in one of the chapters you talk about your daughter um, dating um, a, a boy who you find out later has been smoking pot, <laughs> and I, and I, which I thought was fascinating, and your reaction on what to do with it, which I also found was fascinating. But what did you find out about drugs? I mean, aside from your own personal interaction with, with your daughter, and her her boyfriend. Yeah, I you know I think that um, drug I mean drug use in high schools is a serious issue, and um, the people who grew up um, who are parents now um, who let's say no longer smoke marijuana or who haven't smoked marijuana in a while probably don't have a sense of how incredibly strong and powerful the drug has become. Mm. So if you have an attitude of, oh, yeah, you know, people used to do that, you know, and it was not a big deal. I'm not saying that it is an enormously big deal, but I'm saying that the strength of the uh, of the drug is um, so enhanced that um, it's a, it can be a major experience to... Uh, to get high. A lot right. of kids get high at school. And, um, wow. and I think that depending upon where you live and, um, you know, and how strict the school is and how many cops they have trolling the halls, um, and that kind of stuff, it can be an issue in the school that my, um, well, that this was middle school. So mm-hmm. in middle school, it was not as much of an issue as it is in, in high school. Mm. Hmm, interesting, and I never even thought that um, they'd be smoking anything but, like, marijuana with a little bit of oregano in it. You know I mean? <laughs> I think during our days it was like that, right? Catnip. Exactly. You're, like, smoking lavender and who else knows what else is in there, but maybe a little bit of marijuana. But that's interesting. I didn't know that it was actually stronger nowadays. Um, and did they talk a lot about drugs and stuff in school or in your kid, in your child's school? Um, did you mean the adults? Did the adults talk to the kids? No, the children. Yeah, did the adults talk to the kids about drugs? 
Um, in, in middle school, and I think it, it really can be quite different in high school. In middle school, it was just kind of a, um, there is a, uh, zero tolerance for any kind of drug, including nicotine policy in this school period. Mm-hmm. And it's not open for any discussion. Um, so I, but I think it changes in high school when, when adults have to wrap, wrap their, uh, minds around the fact that you just can't tell kids no and have them not do something. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's not going to be it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's for sex as well, but there's just, there's a lot more discussion going on. And I think it's pretty sophisticated discussion, um, mostly led by adults that know what they're talking about and are realistic about what's out there and, um, what's tempting and mm-hmm. why kids might want to experiment and what it means, uh, especially what it means to the evolving teen brain mm-hmm. to um, change its biochemistry mm. through drugs. Mm, fascinating. I just, people should read the book because there's a couple of chapters that you have about drugs and about, and, and also about the sex ed class. It's fantastic. So thank you, Lauren Kessler, author of My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, a Daughter, a Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence. If you want to hear more of our three part series on the secret life of teens and continue listening to part three on Fired Up with CJ live playing every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Or listen later on iTunes or at www.firedupwithcj.com. Part two or part three's focus is going to be connecting with your teen and how to do it well. We'll be right back. bogged down by your daily grind not living up to your greatest potential then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters be it family career wellness spirituality or anything else that fuels your inner flame join fire it up with cj as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life Equal parts heart warmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. We are living in a time of great challenges and greater opportunity for transformation. The good news is that public awareness of the need for change is also growing exponentially. More than ever, your transformative message is needed to empower millions across the globe. Hi, I'm Dr. Pat, host of The Dr. Pat Show, and I'm excited about announcing an unprecedented opportunity for growth as we expand our broadcast by launching Transformation Talk Radio and the Transformation Network. Join me and a team of amazing people and host your own show on Transformation Talk Radio. Get ready to expand your horizons, tap into the best listeners anywhere, and join one of the most positive and expansive networks today. Historically, there came a time when the boundary of water was transcended as man developed the boat. 
and the barriers of water became freeways. Join Dr. Pat as she launches this exciting venture. To host a show, call 1-800-930-2819 or email host at transformationtalkradio.com. Imagine you had a way to protect yourself from cancer, depression, and disease, and dispel the nastiest bugs that attempt to hide undetected. Take a moment to wonder, how good does that feel? How powerful? Did you know that enough golden sunlight produces vitamin D in your body to protect itself against disease? Producing enough vitamin D can kill cancer cells, reduce blood pressure and inflammation, and even help with weight loss. This amazing little vitamin is actually not a vitamin at all, but a powerhouse of protection that can activate your body's innate healing ability, but only if you have enough in your blood to shine the light. Tune in and listen to award-winning author Dr. Lucinda Messer share how you can harness the power of sunlight to create a healthy body and mind. Her book, Powerful Medicine, Vitamin D, Shedding Light on a Worldwide Health Crisis, is like having a vitamin D expert on hand to answer all your health questions. For more information, visit PowerfulD.com. That's PowerfulD.com. CJ Blue, and you are listening to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Now, if you are a parent and have a question that you want to know about your teen, this is a time to call. <laughs> Do I sound like an 800 and one of those 800 phone calls on late night TV? Call, seriously, call 800-930-2819. We have the best guest ever, Lauren Kessler, author of six works of nonfiction, including My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, A Daughter, A Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence. Welcome back, Lauren. Thank you. Do you say that to all your guests, best guest ever? Because that's very nice. Um, no, I actually don't. You really must be the best guest ever. <laughs> Okay, I'm free-flowing. I just told you I don't usually free-flow, but this is what uh, comes from my authentic heart when I connect with oh. your heart. You are the best guest ever. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing with you what this segment is about, which is learning to connect with your kids. And I, and here's the thing. I know that I gave you grief in the first segment about, like, are you trying to torture your daughter? But, you know, throughout, and, and when you read the book, you definitely get this deep, deep sense of love that you have for your daughter. And I think that all of us have for our children. And we want to connect, right? We want to be part of their lives. And I don't know if we know, if everyone knows how to do that. I mean, not all of us can go spend, you know, 18 months being a, an investigative reporter in the children's school. So... so. <laughs> Well, first of all, I want you to just share with people everything you did because it's 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 almost insanity. I'm sorry, it's just insane the amount of things that you did. Well, share just with us all the things. It, it's a research project, right? So yes, I spent so I spent 18 months embedded in everything I could think of embedding myself in, and one of those places was school. Um, on a daily basis, not, and I should just say, not only in the back of the classrooms that my daughter was in, but in the back of the classrooms that other people's sons and daughters were, because I was there in middle school to try and get a sense of middle school too. I went on field trips. I became a counselor at, um, Lizzie's summer camp, which was hysterical because I was, you know, 25 years older than all the other counselors who were. <laughs> And I, I didn't have a specialty. Um, you know, all the specialties, I mean, all the things that I kind of knew how to do, 
everybody had already taken them. So I'm just hunting around for something that I could do that takes basically no equipment uh, that they would hire me for. I mean, it's volunteer. So I became uh, their yoga instructor, and I had taken yoga, a, a yoga class uh, for about six months. And, that, and so I was... <laughs> so you're the expert. <laughs> I was the expert. And they actually looked at me as the expert, and they called me Lotus. That was my camp I love name. that. I love that. Um, I went... Um, so that, so summer camp and the mall, of course, and school and field trips of all kinds, and also online. Um, so much of um, kids' lives today is virtual, whether it's um, just chatting online or whether it's being involved in online games or whether it's Facebook or MySpace. And... Um, I think that my daughter actually had less of an online life than a lot of kids her age, mm-hmm. but I wanted to know what that was. I'm I'm pretty computer savvy. I you know use a lot of social media, um, but I really don't know what kids are doing unless I read some horrific story about bullying, you know, or sexting or something like that. And those, of course, are the horrific stories. They're not the general way. So mm-hmm. those are some of the things that. That I uh, that I did, and um, how would you negotiate? How would you recommend a parent negotiating that access to their online world? I mean, your daughter had like, okay, I'm writing this book, so do you mind if I actually watch you chatting or if I join you in this virtual world? How would you suggest other parents do that? Or now, how do you do that now that she's no longer part of the project? You know, I, I'm not sure that that's something that you would want to do. When you asked me this question, you said, you know, you did all these crazy things and not everybody can do this. And I would say that not everybody should do this. That okay. There are some, um, you know, much more, uh, much saner <laughs> ways <laughs> that you can um, forge a connection or find a connection or deepen a connection with, your um, daughter or son um, as they enter the teen years. And and I don't think it's, um, you know, going online and doing stuff with them. I do think, though, for example, that texting, which a lot of parents rail about, like I hate it when my kid texts all the time. Mm-hmm. Texting is, is, to me, a wonderful way mm. to communicate with Lizzie Um She's funny when she texts. I know that she's thinking and writing, which I like. She has to spell words when she texts, which I love, even though she doesn't spell them correctly all the time. And we can have a conversation that is um, sometimes more open. I mean, obviously not deep in, with texting, but sometimes more open and less emotionally fraught than mm. if person to person so that's that's one thing I would say not you know don't don't think gee I, I have to have everything person to person face to face because kids sometimes turn off when you are in their face and with texting um, there's a little bit of a a barrier a kind of a, maybe a nice barrier so <laughs> I just I, I'm sorry I'm envisioning like having dinner next to my son and texting him how's the dinner oh. how do you like your <laughs> 
I like it a lot. No, I, but I, I get what you're saying. I'm sure that's not the scenario you're talking about. But it's, I'm sure that you mean like when you're at school or when they're away and you want to just have a light touch like, hey, I'm thinking about you. Well, um, but I just had to add the little bubble that popped in my head. Um, so aside from texting, what are some other easy ways that parents can kind of connect with their kids? Um, one way that Lizzie and I connect with each other that um, is easy and so much better than um, her coming home from school and me going up to her and being in her face and asking her questions is um, when we're in the car together. Mm-hmm. And I've done some research on this. And, um, in fact, many people, um, many uh, therapists have talked about how car time can be really great time. It do, you know, doesn't mean you always have to turn off the radio, I don't want to listen to music or anything like that. But because you are not staring at them and because they don't feel you know, under the hot light of your inquisition because you're driving, right. and maybe, maybe there's music in the background, you can have some pretty nice flowing conversations about life and, you know, crushes that they have or what they care about. And then in between times, you can be changing the radio station or making comments about the landscape. It just it just ratchets down the emotional quotient a little bit. Um, so find other ways to have conversations other than the dinner table or just the after-school inquisition. Yeah, that makes sense. And, I, you know, my kids, when they love to talk most is when it's bedtime. I'm like, it's time for you to go to bed. Mommy, tell me the story about when you did. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, you know, after like a couple minutes, I'm, I'm on to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But you can know what? Enjoy those 10 minutes. So give them a 10-minute break. And, you know, and also make sure that they know that you know that they're playing you because that's funny. Yeah, no, they think it's, I'm always like, just so you know, I know that you're doing this. Yes. (laughs) So let me ask you about a a thing about car time. My girlfriends are saying, why are you talking to your kids in the carpool? You should pretend that you don't hear them at all and then listen and like, listen, because they don't think you're listening, but you are listening. That's when you get all the juicy stuff. And I thought, well, okay, I guess I could do that too. Seems dishonest, but do you have any thoughts on that? The whole thing, you're in the carpool, and you pretend like, I'm just listening to my classical music up here while you kids chit, chit-chat in the back, but really you're, like, listening to every word that they're saying. Well, there's, there's value in that, too. Um, I've done both. I think that um, when I am alone with my daughter, um, then I am interested in having some kind of a conversation that feels casual to her, but actually my motive is probably not casual. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm in the car with her and her friends, then I actually am pretty interested in what they're talking about. And I think that, um, you know, I, I do think that, you, that a grown-up uh, is pretty, is invisible, um, I certainly felt that way at school, that unless you are an adult who has an immediate immediate power over them, um, like a teacher, you know, or a principal, um, that you are invisible. And there's something to be learned from the conversation. Sometimes it's just garbage conversation, and mm-hmm. and that's okay, too. But I don't feel sneaky um, when I'm just quiet and listening. I feel, you know, like a cultural anthropologist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I'm going to think from now on when I'm listening. Yes, really, what you're doing. <laughs> I'm 
I'm really just being a cultural anthropologist here. There you Nothing. go. See how that works. <laughs> Okay, I want to ask you another question that you kind of refer to throughout the whole book, but this kind of like, hey, you know, what, where is the women's movement? I know this is somewhat taking it different than connecting, but um, I wanted to ask you, so, you know, where is the women's movement when you now look at teen girls today? What's the state of the union? That's a really interesting question and one that, that I could have a very positive spin on or not so positive. Um, so which is to say that it's a complex question. I yeah, think that yeah. um, that the world has opened up for girls and women in a very big way, occupationally, emotionally, uh, socially, and most of that, a lot of that, is very, very good. I think the expectations are um, unreal. Uh, are, are just amazing for today's girls. Um, the, the, and women, by and, the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the notion of, of perfection. There was a really great series, um, while I was writing, while I was researching the book, the New York Times did a series on, um, perfect girls, how girls have to be perfect. And they, they talked to a bunch of wealthy, waspy, Connecticut, blonde girls who were, um, you know, top of their class, who felt, you know, uh, in, insufficient and incomplete because, yeah. uh, you know, so they had to be not only beautiful and not only smart, but have tons of community service and be athletic and have a boyfriend and, you know, be skinny. Oh. And so just to be just any one of those things or any few of those things, uh, not good enough. So oh, that's I think sad. The bar is very, very high. Um, the the way that girls um, can participate in athletics and what that has done in a good way to girls' body image, um, I think, is wonderful in the last twenty five years or so um, since Title IX has you know come to be. So I think that's a good one. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to continue this conversation on the next segment because I want to hear more about it because I think this is uh, fascinating, actually, as a woman. And we're going to be talking about, and then your next section, about aging and middle-aged women. And I think the basis all comes from the years that we're talking about, right? So, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so um, thank you, Lauren, for talking about um, the secret life of teens. Uh, continue listening to hear more about Lauren. And part four, we're going to hear about Lo- Lauren's newest focus area on aging. So uh, listen to Fired Up with CJ playing every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Transformation Talk Radio Network or listen live on iTunes or at www.firedupwithcj.com. Do you dream of being on The Amazing Race? Well, here's your chance. Grab a friend and prepare for an exhilarating race around the city when City Solve Urban Race comes to your city. Teams of two will solve clues and face fun challenges while racing around the city. The winning team gets $300 and a chance to be in the Las Vegas Championship race to compete for a grand prize of $5,000. Not only will you have a ton of fun, you'll also be helping a good cause. A portion of the proceeds will benefit a local charity. To start racing, go to City 
freesolveurbanrace.com. Feeling bogged down by your daily grind? Not living up to your greatest potential? Then it's time to turn up the heat and get real with what truly matters, be it family, career, wellness, spirituality, or anything else that fuels your inner flame. Join Fire It Up with CJ as this respected life coach talks to a wide range of experts and everyday people for their inspiring and unconventional ideas to help you make the most from your life. Equal parts heart warmer, cheerleader, and butt kicker, C.J. Liu draws on her extensive experience in business and life coaching, along with her intuition and playful humor, to address meaningful topics with truth and irreverence. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com. Ladies, are you living an inspired life? Do you yearn for a more passionate, dream-filled life? Here's Linda Joy, founder of Aspire Magazine, and she has a gift for you. Aspire has launched its Mission to Inspire initiative with a commitment to give away 100,000 one-year digital subscriptions to women around the globe. Every subscription comes with a multitude of free gifts from our team inspiration partners. To claim it all, go to AspireMag.net today. No purchase necessary and live an inspired life. Get ready to feel more alive. Alive with a Deal brings you the truth behind things you experience every day, ways you can heal yourself, and choices that make you feel truly alive. A Deal is a true Renaissance man, a world-renowned yoga master, naturopathic doctor for 10 years, an attorney, and has degrees in physics, math, hypnotherapy, massage, operatic singing, plus he's an expert in green home building. Alive with a Deal discusses health for your body, from heartache to heartburn, your mind, from judgment to joy, your home, from cooking to color and your spirit so you can bring forth your talents hidden deep within. A deal bravely discusses things most people wouldn't touch, delivered with compassion, integrity, and wit. Alive with a deal is about your own healing so that you feel more alive. Tune in each Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Transformation Talk Radio and Alternative Talk. Feel more alive. Alive with a deal. Hello, everybody. I'm CJ Liu. Welcome back to Fired Up with CJ on the Transformation Talk Radio Network. Uh, so here's the question of this segment. How much control do we have of our aging? Can I stay young, Lauren? Is there a fountain of youth anywhere? So Lauren Kessler, she is the author of My Teenage Werewolf, A Mother, A Daughter, A Journey Through the Thicket of Adolescence, and her newest research project is about answering this question. How much control do we have? With aging, have you found the fountain of youth yet, Lauren? Uh, I have, <laughs> and I'm just keeping it to myself. <laughs> it's just like the movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I, I am fascinated by the whole uh, evolving science of aging because we actually know very little about what. Um, successful aging is. We know a lot about what bad aging is because most of the research that's ever been done on aging until very recently has been done on sick old people. Mm-hmm. So now we have a whole bunch of relatively healthy people who are aging. What does it mean to age health healthily? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just say that the 
the fast answer to the question of how much control we have is that scientists now believe that about 50% of our aging is genetic and 50% are, is choices that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, and up to about age 40 or so, um, everyone, unless you were born with a, a congenital illness or unless something terrible befell you, if you just lived a regular life, um, everyone ages it, it very in a very similar fashion. If you looked at the curve, everyone is... After age 40, the difference in the way people age is just extraordinary. So that later in life, in midlife, um, your chronological age, which is what your birth certificate says, is probably the least um, accurate or honest way of saying how old you are. Your biological age, which is how old your body is, is um, uh, a much greater indication of the energy and health and vitality and everything else you bring to life. How about my dream age, which is always that I'm constantly 25? (laughs) My dreams. (laughs) My dreams. I'm always like age 30. There's also my dream age and my dreams. All right, so the 50% that we have a choice of, you had said earlier, 50% of the aging is kind of genetic and 50% we have choices of so that we can have a younger biological age, which is the energy and vitality that we have. What choices, what choices should I make? Ah, well, so, um, the, the book that I'm researching right now, which Mm -hmm. is called counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. Great title. Thanks. The subtitle so far is um, One Midlife Woman's Quest to Turn Back the Hands of Time. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to, I'm going to try everything. I mean, every, you know, and so um, first of all, the first of all, the most important thing I think is to figure out um, what those markers are of aging. Mm. Um, you know, so, we, so sometimes we think that they're all um, we're sort of taught to think of them as all uh, obvious and physical, like, oh, I have a gray hair, or mm-hmm. um, my, I've got wrinkles, or gravity is taking parts of my body, you know, in places that I don't want to see them. Um, but the aging that really is important is the stuff that's happening on the cellular level, like mm-hmm. what's going on with my mitochondria. Have you asked that question? You know? No, What's I'm too busy applying creams. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, you can ask that question as you're applying your moisture and flossing. Okay. Um, you know, so so um, your how much of your body is lean uh, mass, how strong your bones are, how active your metabolism is, which is the mitochondria question. Um, how long or short your telomeres are. I'm throwing out words that people don't maybe know, so they're thinking, I can't wait till her book comes out because then Absolutely. I'll Absolutely. can define these things. <laughs> so it's called biomarkers. So the first mm. question is, what are the biomarkers of biological age? We know what the markers of chronological age are. Mm. It's your birthday. That's your marker. Mm-hmm. You're another year older. Okay, big deal. You can't do anything about that except for lie, which... <laughs> I do. Well, oh, yes, of course, all of us do. <laughs> or dream that you're 25, which yes. is what you do. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, you know, markers of fitness and vitality and health, you know, how well do you sleep, 
and um, you know, and again, what what percentage of your body is lean and what percentage of it is fat? Those kinds of things are um, you, you can test yourself, you can get tested, and then you can try a number of things. Some of them are pretty obvious to people, and um, so I won't spend a lot of time on the obvious stuff in the book, uh, which have to do with the lifestyle things we know about, moving your body more, being mm-hmm. sedentary less, uh, finding ways to deal with the uh, natural chronic stresses of being alive in the 21st century. Um, being good to your body by eating decent food, that sort of stuff. But there's all kinds of other things that this evolving science of anti-aging is uncovering. That um, you know, from miracle foods, the new you know, the new miracle food we hear, to supplementation, to very specific ways of moving your body mm. that can help. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really investigating that whole world right now. Oh, my goodness. That book is going to be a wild success. Everyone wants to know the formula, right? I mean, because, I mean, people, there's so many supplements out there that claim they're going to do this or that to your energy or have you sleep better. But I'd much rather have you be um, the guinea pig and tell us. <laughs> It'd make my life much simpler, Lauren. So I'm really happy that you will sacrifice, you again will sacrifice your life for the benefit of all. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. What, what has this been? Has has your body gone through like just crazy gyrations? We have two minutes left, by the way. But has it been crazy for your body? Because these are a lot of different things to take, right? To see, yeah. So, um, there are certain things that I'm simply not going to do. Like people, if, if you if people are listening and they're interested in, like, say, human growth hormone, mm-hmm. you can just Google that, and I will tell you right now, I'm not taking it. <laughs> not for the book. I don't care, you know, if it would mean more copies sold. I'm simply not taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, so yeah, I'm I'm experimenting with myself, and um, so far I haven't, you know, done anything terrible, um, and I'm feeling, you know, quite energetic and and youthful. So there, yay, yay, excellent. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Starting I in January. It. Starting in January or February, I'm going to start blogging about this in little pieces and it, it, at a blog that will um, people can get to it from uh, laurenkessler.com, which is my author page, because I'm not quite sure. I think it'll be called Counterclockwise or something like that, but I'm not sure yet. Okay, so check it out, laurenkessler.com, because we want to know about your experiments. We're fascin- it's fascinating. And thank you so much for writing the book. I just loved it. I'm going to recommend it for my book club. Also, those out there who have book clubs, Lauren does Skyping via book club, and I think that'd be a blast. So if you want to know more about Lauren Kessler um, or want to hear more of our uh, three-part series on the secret life of teens, then, can, um, then tune in to... Um, what am I saying? Then go to iTunes.com or www.firedupwithcj.com. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Thursday when we will be talking to Dr. Joanne Deke on brain science and your teen's brain. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Fire It Up with CJ. Tune in each week on Transformation Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for more of Fire It Up with CJ. It takes just one spark to ignite a fire. For dates and showtimes, visit www.fireitupwithcj.com or www.transformationtalkradio.com.